You can listen to our new audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. It's voiced by the book's author, Pastor Todd Peppercorn, and includes an introduction voiced by Pastor Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Just go to issuesetc.org, enter your email address, and we'll send you a link to the audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression, issuesetc.org, and enter your email address. The hymn, Holy God, We Praise Thy Name, it speaks of God's scepter of all bowing before Him. His domain is vast and His reign is everlasting. So God rules everything, all the time, eternally. So what do we do with earthly authorities? Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. It's time to look forward to Sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary. Pastor Sean Denzer joins us. He's Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Sean, welcome back. Great to be back, Todd. What is the gospel for this coming Sunday? The gospel for this coming Sunday is, well, a famous question, but an even more famous answer from Jesus, where he says, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. And what is difficult maybe is to figure out what the answer to the question is. Jesus really doesn't answer it all that well. And that answer that he gives doesn't answer the question directly of, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And the reason is because Jesus is being trapped. We hear the Lord knowing that they are speaking out of malice and evil in their hearts. And that's why he refuses to answer them in a direct way. It's all entrapment. And so in a sense, Jesus entraps them. He, he turns the tables on them, so to speak, and leaves the ones trapped who had tried to trap him. Now, as we look, as we usually do, to the rest of the readings for the day, I think we really see today part of the trade-off in doing this cross-reading across multiple pericopes, multiple sections of the scriptures. The good part about it, and the reason the church has always brought the scriptures together from various places on a Sunday morning, is because the scripture interprets the scripture. We're not afraid to look at the whole Bible as being God's word. The scripture cannot be broken, as Jesus himself said. And we're not afraid to see that the Bible references itself, that what is said in one place connects with what is said in another place. This is the Lord's history, and it's the Lord's word. Sometimes, however, when we go and make our choices in this way, though, we connect the readings maybe making too fine a point on what we see in a particular gospel message. So when we go to match everything else up, we really zero in on only one part of it and miss some of the other things. 
you could have kind of two difficulties with this. Sometimes you get the Sundays that look so obvious that it's just kind of like, well, let, let's get beat over the head with the fact that we're talking about Thanksgiving or whatever it may be. You also have this other trouble that you can be a little too narrow and that can contribute to some difficulties. I think we're maybe in danger of that today, especially when it's such an enigmatic and, and maybe difficult to understand saying of Jesus if we're going to try and make a direct application of it. So maybe we should start with what the connecting theme is. It's absolutely idolatry. We see that Jesus asked them whose likeness is on the coin. And that's a awkward saying for a Jew because you're not supposed to make graven images. Now, we might make the really good biblical point that obviously there were lots of coins made with images on them. In fact, recent archaeology has found coins of, of lots of famous, even Jewish rulers, with plenty of coinage. But to bring it into the temple is an awkward thing for Jews. That's why they had lots of money changers. And they had a particular difficulty with both Greek rulers and then pretty soon Pontius Pilate as well, uh, of bringing not just coins into the temple, but bringing their own idols into the temple. Now, that's all fine and good. That's dealing with idols as graven images, uh, which you can read described in the Psalms. What we know about idolatry and what we confess, especially in the small catechism, is that idolatry is a matter of the heart. Idolatry is a matter of what the heart worships. And most of the idols that we worship are not, so to speak, carved images and statues. But money itself is one of the biggest idols that we hold, the thing from which we look for all good. And that is definitely what Jesus is attacking here, turning the tables on them. When they come out of greed and out of envy to try and attack him, he points out that they're very hesitant to let go of the things they truly love, namely the money. And they're willing to sacrifice everything that belongs to God, most especially his own son that stands in front of them. But that's a very narrow theme, especially if you're thinking of it in terms of the coinage, that graven images question. Uh, and, and as we look at the rest of the readings, it broadens it some, but also it still stays close to that question of idolatry. So what are some of the other themes that we might consider that maybe would be a diversion from the rest of the readings, but in keeping with the gospel? Here are a few I thought of. One, we're continuing the rejection of Jesus throughout all of this. We see that the Pharisees are plotting to entangle him, to have the ultimate rejection, which is to finally put him to death. Likewise, though, uh, we're speaking about the property that is here and how we deal with that relative to God's majesty. So it's important in civil affairs to talk about who owns what, and possession is nine-tenths of the law, they say. But for us as Christians, we recognize that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that means that the whole question of ownership is somewhat sidelined when the Lord's majesty lays claim to absolutely everything. So it's not necessarily ours. It's not even necessarily belonging to those who have the power to take it away or those to exact it like Caesar which maybe draws attention to the fact that Jesus, in a way, dodges the question by, by saying that give it to who it belongs to. Well, there are levels of belonging uh, when we recognize God's claim on the world. Another one would be just the nature of a Christian's proper response when people are trying to trap us in words. It's instructive to see that the Lord does not really answer this question. That means if we 
tend to always say that we should let our yes be yes and our no be no, that quote from the scriptures. Uh, does that really apply the same way for those who are trying to trap us in our words, that we have a sort of unthinking yes always? That is uh, doubly so the case when we look at rulers and what they might demand of us, perhaps uh, to trick us. So like uh, the history of the martyrs and other places, I think we see that Jesus is not kind of one dimensional in the way he sees responding to people who ask questions. He recognizes that not everything is asked in good faith, as we would say it, and it doesn't necessarily need a naive good faith answer to it. But ultimately, I think the last thing that might be considered uh, or, or that I would notice in this is what is in the heart of mankind has to be uh, at the center of this. The human condition says that Jesus was aware of the malice and the evil that was in them. That's why they're asking this questions. They're putting him to the test and they are hypocrites uh, when they come to him. And we find that this is the nature of mankind's heart, that it tricks people, that it ultimately tricks itself so that it becomes an idolater instead of worshiping the true God who created all things. The intro it for this coming Sunday, Psalm 121. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. But he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My suspicion is that this intro was chosen on the basis of the phrase in the collect we'll hear in a second, where it says that the Lord is the protector of all who trust in you. That was a part of that collect from the place where it was taken before. But I do think this is a fine psalm to kind of get at the truth, which is being challenged by Jesus saying, or by the whole question of who do we have to owe our allegiance and our money to by saying that the things that are God's, there is no limit to that. He is the creator of all things. Likewise, the temptation to take something away from God's reign is greed and is an idolatry of whatever that thing we're preserving is, in this case, money. And the antidote to that is to recognize that the Lord is trustworthy, that he actually is the true God. So this is not an argument for God kind of abstractly, but it's an argument from God, I would say, for trusting him. He's trustworthy and he's reliable. That's the reason he calls on us to believe in him and to trust in him is because he alone actually delivers. He's the one from whom we should expect every good. And that attitude, that which we call faith, is what makes idols and what worships the true God. So if money has become our idol, it should be rejected because it can't preserve us or protect us like God does. All shades that we might have can eventually get holes in them and fail. Our feet are moved all the time, but the Lord is the one who actually can preserve us. His hand is over all things. Obviously, he has his hand over the heathen too, as we'll hear in the Old Testament reading. Surely then he has his hand over us who trust in his steadfast love. What is the collect? 
O God, the protector of all who trust in you, have mercy on us, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. This collect is originally from Trinity 3 in the old lectionary. And interestingly, it does omit one part of it. It omits a comment on God that he is the one without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, and uh, says kind of beautifully that he should asking him to multiply his mercy on us. I think that without whom nothing is strong and nothing is holy really would fit well with our Old Testament reading. The Lord is going to empower Cyrus, the Persian king and leader, in order to preserve Israel. So he is the one who gives strength even to the heathen, like Cyrus. Likewise, he's the one who makes holy. He's the one who keeps Israel his own people. He's the one who's going to restore the temple. What is especially helpful in today's collect with setting our minds on these readings of Scripture is this phrase, to pass through the things temporal while not losing the things eternal. So uh, this is expressing what's said elsewhere as being in the world and not of the world, that we are going to pass through the things temporal. We're not going to be stuck here. We're not going to be clinging to the things that fail. We want to make sure that whatever we bear, whether good or ill in this life, that it does not take away or distract us from what is eternal. And that's God himself and his gifts. So we can't have a separation of doctrine and life. We have to hold them together and keep our priority clear. So that means we're always going to be somewhat skeptical of this world's goods, willing to give them away, willing to sacrifice them, especially if they become a danger to us, or rather if our greed is endangering us, but also that we be ready to press them into the service of what really does last forever. So a very crass example, it does take a certain amount of gas money and a certain amount of sacrifice of other activities to go to church on Sunday morning. But that is a sacrifice that a Christian is glad to make because the price of the word of God is inestimable and the benefits last forever. I think the Psalm says it well, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. That is the sidelining, the the pushing to second that we do of all other things that could be potential idols. Because we will lose what is eternal every time that we exchange the creation for the creator, that we give up on him and instead settle for something lesser. Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning. According to the three-year lectionary, we'll get to the Old Testament reading in Isaiah 45 next. Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October. It's written by Lutheran layman Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor of psychology at Marquette University. Martin Luther on Mental Health is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or learn more at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health. You're personally invited to join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in celebrating the theme, Just As I Am. January 14th through the 20th during Life Week 2024. 
Each theme day will explore a distinct aspect of life ministry through local activities, online educational events, interviews, and more. Find out more at lutheransforlife.org. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org. A mobile Lutheran Bible study. You're listening to Issues Etc. Nestled near the spectacular Santa Catalina Mountains in sunny Tucson, Arizona, Catalina Lutheran Church is home to confessional law and gospel preaching and Bible teaching. Join those whom God calls and gathers to receive his gifts for his divine service to us Sundays and Wednesdays and Bible studies most days of the week. Find us on the web at CatalinaLutheran.org. CatalinaLutheran.org. Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Sean Denzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He is walking us through the propers for this coming Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary. The Old Testament reading is Isaiah 45, the first seven verses. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him, that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes of the secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So this is a fascinating passage because the Lord is addressing his Christ, his anointed, but his Christ here is not Jesus. His Christ is Cyrus the Great, the Persian emperor or king, which is a very strange thing to find in the Old Testament, I think. Why would we want to hear that the Lord is setting up and grasping the right hand of an utter pagan? In fact, he even says, somebody who doesn't know me, who doesn't know my name, who, who doesn't acknowledge me even, yet the Lord is setting him up. God raises up Cyrus the Great to conquer. Uh, He gives him success, and he does it for two purposes. That he may know that the Lord is God. Who is that? That Cyrus may know it. That Israel may know it. In fact, that all people may know it. And the second thing is related to it, that he may preserve Israel. 
So remember, the people of Israel go into captivity in Babylon. The Babylonians are conquered uh, by the Medes and the Persians. And Cyrus is the one who gives the decree to allow them as a client people to go back to the promised land to rebuild the temple. That's Ezra and Nehemiah and to return to the promised land after the exile. And Isaiah prophesies this and talks about how God raises him up, just as he raised up the Assyrians before him, not to do whatever they want, but to accomplish the purpose that God has for them. And here he says he's going to do this in order that he can preserve his people, Jacob. He expressly says that Cyrus doesn't know the Lord, but he should. And notice what is played with here. At the same time that God is unknown by the leader of the world, you might say, by Cyrus, he is still proclaiming who he is, I am the Lord, and he is the one who is playing with Cyrus. So quite the opposite of an idol, which sits in men's hands, is created by us, is grasped by us alone, and in whom we must freight with all sorts of worthiness. God is playing with us. This is maybe one of the few places in the Bible, Isaiah, where you ever get the idea that God is holding us like a chess piece or something. He's holding those who don't know him like chess pieces. He's holding his own people in his hand. And what is the thing he's going to proclaim about himself? He's the God who is the creator. He's the God who rules all. He's the God who works all things. I mean, an astounding phrase, well-being and calamity, good and evil alike. The Lord does all things. He is the maker of all. He's the namer of all. He's the one who does all in all. Cyrus then becomes an example of this. And I think by extension, Caesar and all other rulers are an example of this too. The Lord has all things well in hand for his purposes, and he will work good even from calamity and evil, even from wicked rulers. He can bring good. But no one should therefore imagine that the kings of this world are truly in charge. So in fact, even when we must pay taxes or we must obey rules, we do it not really in subservience to those rulers, but in honor of Christ and to be obedient to him because we know he is the true Lord of all. Our psalm for this coming Sunday, 96. You have the option to have a shortened version. I always would encourage you to have the longer version. The full psalm goes to 13 verses. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. That'd be the temple. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. And he will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. 
So here we then, the whole Christian church and with Israel, are echoing the Lord's word, and we are calling on those nations to acknowledge him. He's raised up Cyrus to preserve his people, not for Cyrus's sake, but so that God's own name would be known among the nations. And this is a, a famous psalm along with Psalm 98 and this whole section of canticles there in the Psalms. Whenever we hear the phrase new song, we should always remember this opening phrase. A new song is a song that regards the content of the true Christ. So Cyrus was called anointed, but he is not the true Christ. Our Lord Jesus is. That's the one that the Lord knows and who knows the Lord in return. That's Jesus, our salvation. That's precisely what the psalm says. A new song is to tell of his salvation of Jesus from day to day and what he's accomplished for us. The whole psalm is a rebuff to the notion that God admires or makes himself subservient to the pagans in any way. He's the true king. We should ascribe to him, no matter what family of people you're with, uh, you should ascribe to him glory that is due his name. And so in a way, it's a nice comment on our Old Testament reading to say that the Lord is the greater Persian in truth. He's better at all the things that the Persian Empire prized, like truth and right judgment and faithfulness. This is our God who created the world and who rules it. We will get into the epistle reading from 1 Thessalonians for this coming Sunday, according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer, next. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we are rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with Festus shares with Agrippa, Paul brought before Agrippa, Paul's defense before Agrippa, Paul's conversion yet again, and not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com. 
Old Theology, New Technology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Christ the Shepherd Lutheran, Alpharetta, Georgia. Good Shepherd Lutheran, Lincoln, Nebraska. Emmanuel Lutheran, Appleton, Minnesota. Luther Memorial Chapel, Shorewood, Wisconsin. Our Savior Lutheran, Louisville, Kentucky. Redeemer Lutheran, Jackson, Wyoming. St. John Lutheran, Kewaskum, Wisconsin. St. Paul Lutheran, Lockport, Illinois. Trinity Lutheran, Miles City, Montana. And Zion Lutheran, Pampa, Texas. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. two of the hymn, Holy God, We Praise Thy Name, a hymn that many of us will be singing this coming Sunday. We're looking forward to this coming Sunday with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The epistles from First Thessalonians. We finished up with Philippians as far as the lectionary is concerned. We're going to jump now into First Thessalonians, and we start right at the top. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. 
Uh, this is a very beautiful opening Thanksgiving. I think all of Paul's letters start so uniquely, but this one is delightful. It's kind of a good summary, I think, of the whole Gentile mission. He jumps over into that Greek island territory and uh, visits these places you would never expect to find the worship of God, the Father, or the worship of Jesus Christ, his Son, and Behold, the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. He's at work in the gospel to do it. And Paul's delighting in this. He's delighting in the gospel's power. He says that it's come on them, giving them the Holy Spirit, certainly what God's Word is always uh, effective to deliver, and that they received it with full conviction, right? They didn't just say, sure, we'll go along with it. Sure, we'll uh, submit to you, I guess, in the way that all nations who are subjected to a king do and pay their taxes, but they don't like it. No, our Lord is of a totally different character, isn't he? And they submit themselves willingly and gladly and joyfully to him because they recognize him as a merciful and kind savior who delivers us from the wrath to come. He's of a totally different sort than the idols that they once served because he's truly a living God. Bringing lots of stuff from our previous readings into this. And notice what kind of conviction and boldness and power the word of God gives. It gives them the kind of conviction that endures affliction and suffering and yet does it with joy. In this way, 1 Thessalonians begins just as we ended last Sunday in Philippians. Paul says that their faith has gone out, and maybe that seems strange. What he means is that the report of their faith and of all the evidence of that faith in deeds of love has gone out so that other people are telling Paul about things that they're hearing out of Macedonia. So not only have they sent out the word of God, maybe that means they sent out some missionaries and preachers of their own to others, but also that the report of it goes around uh, that everybody is delighted to hear what has happened, that they've turned from idols and now they're serving the true God. And lastly, what Paul says here is common to the apostles in their proclamation to unbelievers. Two things, one, that Christ is risen from the dead, no surprise there, but also that he is returning for judgment. And that's especially important as we're about to get into the judgment portion of Matthew's gospel, that we'd hear this again too. Jesus comes not just to come back and set up a kingdom. He comes to judge the world. We heard that in the psalm. He's going to judge all peoples with equity and righteousness. But notice, his judgment is not going to be a condemnation. It's going to be a deliverance for all those who acknowledge him. He's coming to deliver from the wrath to come. And he is the only one who can do that. Idols can't do that. The gradual in the verse, please. Sure, the gradual is the same as we've had for a couple of weeks. He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways from Psalm 91. And from Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I think that last phrase might be connected today, that we bless his holy name and no other, not any of these worthless idols. But also that phrase that all within me bless his holy name. This is actually the most difficult thing for us to press into the service of God. Money should be easy. It's in our control. It sits in our hand. It's not physically difficult to relinquish your money, whether that's to the Lord 
or to an earthly ruler in when it's tax time. But what is incredibly difficult is that wrestling that will continue until life's end with our own natures, with our own flesh and its desires due to sin. So we pray have mercy on us and we trust in the one who promises to be our protector. That's our Lord. All that is within me, let's bring it into line to bless his holy name and not to covet after other gods in any way. The verse then is very interesting. Colossians 2.10, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. The context might be helpful actually to understand why this applies here. So Paul says, don't be taken by empty philosophy and human traditions and all of that rather than by Christ. Why? Because Christ is the one in whom the fullness of the deity, all of God's essence dwells bodily. So quite a contrast to idols, but also a contrast to every other ideology, every other religion, every other way of life is Christ. He is God in the flesh. That's worth paying attention to. Likewise, then Paul says, we have been filled, as the verse says. Filled with what? Well, with whatever is needed that we might think we could find elsewhere, by philosophy, by money, by power. Rather, we have the wisdom and the righteousness and the love and and all things in Christ Jesus. He, then, is the head and the rule of all authority, which definitely leads to uh, uh, what is God's. Give that to God. So this is a a verse that is against idolatry of all sorts, but especially against the tricky idolatries, the things that pull at our heart's temptations and lead us astray. And at the same time, it's also against all cults of power and authority, whether that's earthly rulers in the state or whether that's idols and national gods as well. Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning. According to the three-year lectionary, the gospel reading in Matthew 22 is straight ahead. You can listen to our new audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. It's voiced by the book's author, Pastor Todd Peppercorn, and includes an introduction voiced by Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Just go to issuesetc.org, enter your email address, and we'll send you a link to the audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. Issuesetc.org, and enter your email address. The Gospels report to Jesus saying some rather shocking things. For instance, in Luke 14, he tells his disciples, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. How can Jesus say such things? What about some of the other more difficult teachings of Scripture? Do you have questions about them? Well, we answer many of these in the October issue of The Lutheran Witness. Pick up your copy today at cph.org slash witness. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. The weather is changing, the leaves are falling, and you'll soon be setting up your church's Christmon tree this Advent. But there's a problem. Remember, Aunt Mabel's Christmons are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Rush on over to Ad Crucem to fix the situation. We offer all the old designs and a whole lot of new ones. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.
Come join LCMS Worship next summer for the Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music, July 9th through the 12th, 2024, at Concordia University, Nebraska. We'll gather under the theme, The Songs of Deliverance, and focus on the Psalms together. Everything you need to know is at lcms.org slash worship institute, and you can look for registration information in the early part of 2024. That's lcms.org slash worship institute, God's mission right where you are. Grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc. Criticism. I just had to call in to respond to this week's installment of Never Trump Drivel from Terry Mattingly. Compliments. I love the interviews and insights because they help me battle the slings and arrows of outrageous theology and practice. Clarification. Is there a point where, without baptism, infants go to heaven, and after which time they go to hell if they're not baptized? The Issues Etc. Comment Line, 618-223-8382. Concordia University Chicago invites all high school students to attend the annual Careers for Christ weekend in person on our beautiful campus in River Forest. Careers for Christ is November 3rd through the 5th. You'll have the opportunity to learn about professional church vocations while having fun with CUC staff, faculty, and students. For more information, visit cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C. That is cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you enjoy our Looking Forward to Sunday Morning episodes, LCMS Worship has produced weekly lectionary summaries. You can view them for free at lcms.org slash worship, lcms.org slash worship. We come to the gospel reading in Matthew 22, beginning at verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Well, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. There's uh, many things here. First, the groups of people. We have the Pharisees named out in particular. These are the most observant, the ones who care about God's word. They certainly do. They've devoted their entire lives to reading the scriptures in the synagogues. But notice they have not realized the point of the scriptures yet since they're trying to entangle Jesus in his talk instead of be captivated by his words as the son of God. They send their lackeys over to him, along with the Herodians. That's an interesting term that maybe is harder to pin down. Something related to Herod, that those who are of the line of Herod are kind of somewhat Jews. They're Idumeans, and they've made a deal, so to speak, with Rome. 
uh, that they're the client kings of the area. Uh, so perhaps they're here to collect the taxes and to punish those who fail to give them, or perhaps they're just uh, whatever allies are nearby. It's not quite clear. But anyway, they're watching, and uh, this is all part of the trap that's being laid. Very interesting. They say uh, somewhat what Nicodemus does, right? We know that you are true. That's pretty bold. And that you teach the way of God truthfully. I've never heard them say something that directly the case to Jesus. But then they also add this, you don't care about anyone's opinion because you're not swayed by appearances. And maybe that's a part of the lead up to this question, which is obviously to entrap Jesus. So is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not is the question. And why is it a tricky question for Jesus? Maybe because if he says, no, uh, it's not lawful to pay taxes, I, I, that he brings down the judgment of Rome on himself. Or if he says, yes, it's lawful to pay taxes, does he perhaps acknowledge that he is subservient to the Roman Caesar and he rejects Israel's authority? Perhaps it means that he is now becoming a servant to the pagan. So these are the kinds of... Uh, heads I win, tails you lose scenarios that the Pharisees are always trying to set up for Jesus. And that's why I think the first thing to see is verse 18, that Jesus is aware of their malice. The word here is the very same word that is used in the Lord's Prayer when we say, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, wickedness. That's exactly what he sees in their heart and what he hears lies behind their question. That's what dwells in the heart of man. We say it in many other places, according to the scriptures, that the will of man's heart was only evil continually before and after the flood, that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it, Jeremiah says. And Jesus says in John's gospel, he knew what was in the heart of man. No one had to tell him that. That's why he didn't entrust himself to them. Well, he doesn't entrust himself to them here. He also doesn't really directly answer the question. He calls him out and says, you're putting me to the test. That's a potent phrase since that's the very thing that the devil was trying to do. And it's the very scripture that Jesus quotes against the devil when he was tempting Jesus. And he adds a harsh word, you hypocrites, you people who are asking questions that you don't really want the answers to. You're only asking them as a way to trap people. So all of that's laid for Jesus. And he tells them to bring a coin and they bring a denarius. As many know, this is a Roman coin um, and it's, it's roughly a day's wages. This has been said many times, but he points to the inscription on it. Caesar's head and all the claims that Caesar might have, maybe it talks about the region, all depends on where this uh, coin is minted. And that does bring up the question of whether this is, Jesus mentions this because it has a graven image on it, and that makes it an idol or something that is uh, wicked and should not be used in the temple. It may be a little difficult to nail that exact thing down, but it's not necessary because of our understanding of what an idol truly is from the Bible, anything that our faith is placed in. And this, to my understanding, is the origin of, of putting the phrase, in God we trust on our money, is trying to confess against that temptation that exists there to make this our God. 
I think that'd be the best Christian way we could interpret that, at least regardless of why it originally went on to the coins. We ought to see it and remind ourselves, confess against our own treacherous hearts, that we believe the Lord is our keeper and our protector. We are not going to let money become our idol because you cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. When they give the obvious answer that Caesar's head is on it, so that's how it is, then Jesus lays his trap with his answer. Give to Caesar all the things that belong to Caesar and give to God all the things that belong to God's. And they're amazed, they're baffled, they're speechless, as the man in the parable last Sunday was too. And that's never a good thing. They leave him, never a good thing to leave Jesus, they go away, which shows they've been defeated by Jesus' kind of counter trap. It exposes their nature of finding ways to make anything not God's. Think of the other place where Jesus accuses them of swindling their own parents by kind of a tricky thing they would say that this money that is set aside, it's korban, that means it's kind of been pledged, you might say, to go to the temple. And they use that as an excuse to say, well, I therefore I couldn't use it to help you, see? That's a very pious, godly thing to do. I've dedicated it to the church so that I'm not able to help my poor parents in their old age or something. This is the way of always making things not God's, always taking away from him, always using his own laws against him, uh, and always rejecting his word. And so his answer really has to make you think in two ways. One, does it belong to Caesar because it has Caesar's head on it? Well, now you know what to do with your money. Don't be afraid to give not only this, but I suppose all your coins away to Caesar. And that attacks their greed. But then the other one is much more serious to consider. Give the things that are God's to God. Now, what is God's? Unless they've totally lost their theology entirely, even these Pharisees should know God is the one who owns it all. God's the one who's the maker of heaven and earth, as all of our other readings said. Therefore, it all needs to go to God, and they need to go to God. And maybe, I suppose, if they really realized who Jesus was, maybe they should be rendering it to him. He would much rather have their faith and their ear for his word, but they refuse to do this. So we see, again, that they just simply refuse God's word and refuse to come to the conclusion of what they've seen in Jesus. And no one is able to speak for God if they will not hear his word. And that means when Christ comes actually speaking as God, they reject him also. What would you say about some of the hymns that could be sung this coming Sunday? The hymn of the day that's appointed is, Holy God, we praise thy name. It's 940 in LSB. And it's a versification of the Te Deum. I think that's an interesting choice, but it's certainly our hymn of thanksgiving in the church. And it's also a hymn that acknowledges God as Lord. So think about the phrase from our psalm today, ascribe to the Lord glory and praise, acknowledge him all peoples. This is certainly a hymn that does that. The translation itself probably lends to this topic better when it speaks about that all the earth 
his scepter claims, and all in heaven above adore thee, that his domain is vast and his reign is everlasting. So as it expounds on the words of the Tadeum, which are simply, we acknowledge you to be the Lord, all the earth worships you, the Father everlasting. We've gotten quite in a bit out of that in the paraphrase, but what it is establishing is that the Lord owns and rules and has possession of the whole earth which is certainly part of the point of we must render to God the things that are God. That means we have to temper all other authorities and fealties to him. Another hymn that would be excellent for today is 737 in LSB, I Trust, O Lord, Your Holy Name. It's a paraphrase of part of Psalm 31, and it's simply to recognize trust in the Lord even when enemies are attacking us. I think that's especially poignant if we consider the Lord being attacked by the Pharisees. And uh, one more would be uh, in LSB 819, Sing Praise to God, the Highest Good. It's a fine hymn that speaks about creation and that the Lord is the maker of all things and to see that he is the ruler of all, that he's guarding it by his might and that he is ruling in justice. It's a fine parallel with our Old Testament and our psalm as well. Pastor Sean Danzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Sean, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, Todd. Thursday on Issues Etc., we'll look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary, talking with Pastor Peter Bender about the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew chapter 22. We'll find out from Dr. Jordan Cooper why we should baptize babies, and we'll continue our series responding to Roman Catholic proof texts with Dr. Stephen Parks. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Do you want a church with a rockin' band and a sermon series to help you live a better life? It's not here. Bethany Evangelical Lutheran Church in Fairview Heights offers authentic, historic Christianity to a world awash in fads and entertainment and offers forgiveness of sins to people overwhelmed with guilt and shame. Join us Sundays at 9.30 on Old Collinsville Road in Fairview Heights, Illinois to receive the life-giving gifts of God with us. Find out more online at BethanyLCMS.org. This is Jeff Schwartz, General Manager of Lutheran Public Radio, with a message for listeners in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. We pledge to have Issues Etc. podcasts posted daily, no later than 5 p.m. Mountain, 
4 p.m. Pacific. This will allow you to download and listen to the latest Issues Etc. podcast weekdays during your evening commute. Again, if you live in the Mountain or Pacific time zone, download Issues Etc. before you leave work and listen during your drive home. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713-855-2681. The blood of Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. Even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. Would you like to learn about the Reformation theology you hear on Issues Etc.? We'll send you a pamphlet of Luther's small catechism for free. It contains the biblical teachings on the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and Confession and Absolution. Order your free copy of Luther's small catechism today. Just send your name and mailing address to talkback at issuesetc.org. Do you dread going to work out? Performance Fitness in Edwardsville offers a fun, supportive, tight-knit community and environment. Visit them on the web at performancefitness618.com or call 618-692-5063. Performance Fitness is the facility in the St. Louis Metro East where the focus is on member results, not membership numbers. 618-692-5063 or performancefitness618.com. Performance Fitness of Edwardsville. 